You're listening to the Goblins and Growlers podcast, the only tabletop role-playing game podcast that you really need right now. Hello, everyone, and hello, Brandon. Hello, Josh. Reporting live from your white room with no decorations over there. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is the last time... Uh, we will be recording. No, I take that back. When we do our regular recording, I will still be living, uh, in this house part time, but I will, I will be making sure that I am recording from the apartment where I have a lovely backdrop with complete with an anime wall scroll just to really, really emphasize who I am as a person. Well, having said that, welcome to the Goblins and Growlers podcast. I'm Brandon at Way of Brandalore on Twitter. And I'm Josh at Black Cloak DM on Twitter. And today we're going to be talking about the value of creative content. Josh has been excited to get mad about this for a while. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, so basically speaking, Brandon and I hang out on Twitter. Uh, we're not, I would say, the most active people on Twitter uh, because both of us don't live in social media spaces that much. But a thread that continually pops up is content creators talking about their frustration with two separate, but I think equally aggravating topics. Thing <laughs> you, sound number like, one, you sound like you're introing law and order. <laughs> there are there are two separate, but equally powerful, frustrating topics in the right, world of d Twitter. Writers are oppressed by two equally powerful. <laughs> um, there's so there's there's two groups. There's the people who will reach out to a digital content creator and be like, oh, your DMs guild product is OK, I guess. But like it's not a physical product. So is, can you really be charging like five or ten dollars for each? Because you're just it's a PDF. Like, is it really worth that? And it's like, hold on a minute. These people are also known as garbage people. <laughs> uh no, I, I like my trash men better than that, honestly. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of problems with that, and we'll get into that in a minute. The other group of people who are kind of a problem is the people who are paying people to create content, who are paying people three or four cents a word for a two or three page adventure. And like, you can't, how are you going to make a life as a writer if you're making two or three cents per word on an entire adventure? Like it's when we write our one page dungeons and things like that, you know, we obviously we are doing that Patreon exclusive, but our public has said your adventures are worth this much to us. We can then put those into books and I think what our our books right now are what they're are they 25 between 25 and 30 compendiums. Yeah. So and that's for 12 adventures. You're talking about uh, one piece of art per adventure and then one page worth of words. So I haven't done the exact math on how much we're paying, but I would bet that it's a double or even triple the two or three cents that that we are putting out on the market and people are saying it is worth this much to me. And so it's frustrating then to hear from people online 
that they're being contacted by people out in the public who are like, well, but it's just a PDF. Like, is it really, is it really worth that much? I don't know that it's worth that much. Let me, let me. Because it let, is, it is me, worth that much. Let me say something about that. <laughs> I have, I have thoughts here. So please, please go on. Somebody reaching out saying something like, oh, it's just a PDF. Like I would pay for a physical product. Well, like, okay. All right. So yeah, you would pay for a physical product, but this digital product took the same amount of creative work as that physical product. Like the person who put all the work into writing, editing, designing, illustrating this thing, the person or people rather, like they have nothing to do with the printing. They sent it to a printing facility to get it printed. Like the fact that they're only offering it digitally probably means that you're getting it cheaper than you would be able to get it if they printed it because there are no printing costs that they have to absorb there. And don't come at me being like, oh, it's not it's not a physical media, so I shouldn't be paying this much for it. Do you have a Netflix subscription? Like, do you, have you bought episodes of something on iTunes? Like, unless you're buying DVDs for every bit of like audiovisual media or like, if, are you buying CDs still? You know, are, are you out there buying eight tracks, laser discs, cassettes? Because... Like those are creative works too. And you don't seem to have any problem paying actual real money for that stuff. Well, the point I would make on that is that, especially in the case of something like Netflix, you're not paying for ownership of that film. You are paying for a rental of whatever is in their library at the time. And you can, you can rent quote unquote, and watch as much as you can get access to. But it's basically a movie pass. At the point that you stop paying for those things, you stop having those things. With a adventure that you're paying for the PDF of, you are paying for a license to have that adventure and reproduce it for yourself. Obviously, not for redistribution, because uh, that's super illegal. But if that server goes down, if that author goes out of business, if that any of those things occur, you still have that adventure. You can still print out a copy to use at your table. You can still take it with you to conventions. You know, like you you have a license to that adventure that is yours. And as long as you keep track of that digital content, you've always got access to it. Mm -hmm. I think what you just said sort of hits on why it's sort of like anathematic to some people to pay for that kind of thing. Keeping track of your digital property. Uh, it's very easy when something's not physical to just like leave it on like a hard drive or something. Maybe you end up buying a new computer and you just kind of forget it's there. Like that's harder to do with a print product that you can like put on your bookshelf or something like that. So and this is all just sort of like my gut feeling about this. I have no anecdotes or, or data to back it up or anything like that. But I just feel like people are mad about paying for something like that because they don't take care of where they put it and they're worried that they're going to lose it or something like that. Because like with Netflix or something like that, you always know where to go to get the Netflix or the Hulu. I mean, that the same is true of something like DMs Guild. If you mm -hmm. purchase something on DMs Guild, it stays in your purchased library. Mm -hmm. And as long as DMs Guild is up, you can go and access it there and re-download it. And DMs you know, Guild's not going anywhere because it's it's skimming too much money off the top. <laughs> <laughs> right. But even if even if it's itch.io 
or D&D Beyond or wherever, like whatever the service may be that you're purchasing the digital product from, you can go back to that service and re-download your product from that service. Um, that's That's been true pretty much as long as the internet's been selling digital products. The thing I think drives me nuts is that these people, they come in and they're like, well, I, I would want a physical product that I can hold in my hand. Go print it then. Go to a FedEx or a Kinko's or whatever and print out the booklet and do it like you can do that front sheet on a nice, really glossy paper and you can staple it all together. Like you have that option. Why are you mad? Like and it's going to cost you less to get that done than it would if the upcharge for the author to have it sent to a printing press and then the printing press to send it back to the author and then the author to ship it to you. The added cost is well above what you would pay to walk into a FedEx, get a nice glossy print out of that front page and then nice color prints of everything else. You're going to come out ahead. Yeah. Why are you mad? The only way that's not true is if it's like like a 300 page like uh, core <laughs> rule book or something like that, then it's going to cost you like a hundred dollars to get that printed. I don't know a lot of people that are publishing 300 page core rule books, digital only. Yeah, no, you're, you're aren't I, like wizards of the coast. No, yeah, I, I'm just saying there is a point where that where that argument doesn't hold up economically, but it's sort of outside I mean, the scope of what we're talking about. Absolutely. Well, the point I would make there is that if somebody's creating a 300 page book, um, I think this is true of Wizards as well, where they reduce the cost of the digital product mm -hmm. by about how much it would cost them to produce the physical product. Mm -hmm. So if that's not the case, if they're charging the exact same for both, then I totally understand being like, you know, I want the physical product. I'm going to buy the physical product because that's what I want. Um, I'm one of those weirdos who has a GameStop membership. Mm -hmm. And I get the magazines in a physical format. The reason I get the magazines in a physical format is because it's the only place I'm going to read them. Now, if I had a tablet, I'd probably get them digital, uh, not least of which because there comes a point every year or so where I look at the stack of magazines I have and I'm like, I don't need all these magazines <laughs> into the recycling you go. And not having to deal with that piling up until it frustrates me and then recycling all of it would mm -hmm. probably be ideal. Plus, then I'd have back catalog access, which is always really nice. Right. Yeah. I had a subscription to Entertainment Weekly on uh, my first iPad, and it was nice to be able to go back like that. And also they had like cool interactive design for the tablet version. But you're not going to find that on a PDF that, you know, Joe, whoever is putting out because he released his t his new TTRPG module. <laughs> Right. The point the point I mostly want to make here is people are still producing that content there. It's it takes time to write that stuff. It takes creative energy. It takes a lot of effort to balance it well. Um, you know, if if I'm reading something online, whether that's an article or a recipe or news, then I and I realize I'm in the minority on this. If there's ads all over the place, I'm like, as long as you're not obscuring my ability to read the thing I'm trying to read, mm -hmm. I respect that. I get it. You got to make your money. Yeah. Yeah. You know, ads, ads on YouTube get me a little bit. 
but mostly because I can never tell when YouTube is paying the creator that I'm watching ads for. Yeah. If I know that the creator makes content that YouTube is like, yeah, we'll monetize that. I make sure to watch the ads because I want those creators to get paid because that's how we keep getting good stuff. Mm -hmm. Is people get paid for the work they do. We talk about being a capitalist society where the free market rules all. But then everybody's like, oh, I thought we meant actually free market. <laughs> I think I think the disconnect like especially the argument about needing a physical product and everything like that is people equate that with like with that finished product that they're holding in their hands with the work and especially and i guess i'm just sort of generalizing here so i apologize if i am but like probably a lot of these people don't come from a creative background so they don't understand the kind of work and planning and revision that goes into creating something. Um, you know, I could be 100% wrong about that. I could be 100% wrong about that. But that's just where my, <laughs> but, but the exposure of Red Bull shoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Craigslist. Uh, <laughs> but because part of it is if somebody's going to get on there and be like, oh, you really shouldn't be charging this much for this thing that I really like. Like my initial reaction is like, well, write your own, you know? Write, write your own. Uh, that's totally fine. If you don't want to give me money for what I have poured several weeks of work into at the least, um, then you're more than welcome to go write your own thing. And that's if you're confident and capable enough to do all of that stuff on your own. Right. Most of the creators I know, when they've got art assets, those art assets, they're paying someone to get those art assets. Mm -hmm. When they've got really crisp editing and really beautiful design work, they are paying someone to do their editing and to do their design work. Mm -hmm. they, they're writing the content, yes, but then they are bringing in a team of experts to make that content really pop. And you can't expect that person to go out hire a team of professionals to make this really beautiful, really exceptional thing that you're very excited about and then charge almost nothing for it because everybody at the end of the day has to get paid or it doesn't get made in the first place. Mm -hmm. And even for the I'm I'm talking about, of course, the like top notch, like, oh, this is so good. This is so gorgeous. Even the stuff where it's something that very clearly someone opened up a Word document and they, you know, they don't really know what they're doing, but they did their best and they hammered out something that's functional and cohesive. They sp still spent a lot of time, energy and creative focus to create that. And I think the problem I run into is that there's a fair group of people who will jump out and be like, well, I wrote something similar and it only took me a couple of hours to do. And so I don't see why this person's getting paid and I'm not that. And that's that's on you, you know, like the the thing I would say about that is that if you are creating things professionally on a regular basis uh, as someone who has very frequently written adventures with a deadline and run into brick walls where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with this next part. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I have to have it done by June. Mm -hmm. or we don't have a thing to publish and that's an issue. Mm -hmm. That's a struggle and it's stressful. 
And for the folks who are doing this as their full time job, doubly so, because all of a sudden it's not just I need to figure this out so I can get this thing published. It's I need to figure this thing out and make it so good that people are still going to really want to buy it and mm -hmm. be really excited about it because otherwise I'm not making rent. Right. Right. And that's like and and making rent is super difficult enough as a freelancer when you're only getting paid, you know, two or three cents a word like, oh, my God, let's take, for example, now. I'm pretty sure because I've, I've never written for Watsi or anything like that, but I'm pretty sure Watsi pays like above sort of those bargain basement market rates for, Lord, I hope so. for tabletop role playing game writers. So let's just use this as an example like uh, Candlekeep Mysteries. The pitches that Watsi solicited for those were somewhere around like 8,000 words. If you get paid two cents a word for that, that's $160. If you get paid three cents a word for that, that's $240. Like, you could make more than that doing almost anything that wasn't spending weeks writing something. Um, and, you know, the way those contracts work is you like you give them the thing and they give you the money and they own the thing and you don't yep. get residuals for it or anything like that. And you don't even get paid to do promotions. And I'm not. Yep. And again, like what? Like, I'm not trying to say Watsi pays that much because I'm pretty sure they, they pay more than that. But just using that as an example, like look at something in Candlekeep Mysteries know that it was turned in as probably an 8,000 word pitch edited down to whatever it was released as and think about how long it would take you not just to sit down and bang out something of that length but to like conceive the story plot it out figure out your encounters design all the new stuff that you want to do in this rather than just pulling stuff out of the books um, and then you tell me if that's worth $240 that's why that's why people need to focus on doing like independent publishing and charging what they think that their work is worth. Cause that's the only way you're going to make money. There was a, there was a Twitter thread that I was following the other day and I actually saved uh, part of it. Cause the guy was like, if you're tired of following these 25 tweets, I've put them all into this document. But basically, <laughs> basically he walks people through sort of the life of a freelancer uh, for role-playing games, it's like you really sort of have two options. They're either going to come at you with like a lower pay, but the more or less guarantee of continued work, or they'll come at you with higher pay, but no guarantee of continued work. He's like, you almost always want to go for the second one, almost always. And then he just goes into like breaking down the math and everything. I wish I had it in front of me, but I can't remember where I saved it. Uh, he just it, he brings up all these points of like, you know, like you got to figure out your hourly rate. It's 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 stuff that you and I have talked about a lot as we've been putting stuff together and developing the business and things like that. But you have to like if you're going to price your material, you have to figure up two things. Basically, you have to figure up cost of production. And by that, I mean, like. The physical costs like printing, shipping, mailing, um, promotions, things like that. And then also the cost of your time that you input into creating it. You know, I've got this notebook here that I keep with me all the time and I just start like writing out ideas in it. And there'll be some nights where I just sit down and I'm writing in that notebook for two hours for various ideas that I want to develop. Like that's all part of the creative process. That's all time that I have to factor into like how much something is going to cost if I spend this much time creating it, if I spend weeks working on an adventure, you know, I would like to make maybe like 30 or $40 a pop off of that thing. 
you know, but I'm, let me figure out the best way to say this. Like I'm going to set the price point in such a way that it reflects, not only am I going to set the price point in such a way that it reflects the amount of work that I put into it, but I'm going to enter into it with an idea of what the ultimate price point is going to be and gauge my work level based on that. Like I'm not going to spend six months on something that I'm going to put up on itch for like seven fifty. Yeah, exactly. And the part of that as well is how many, how many of these am I likely to sell? Mm -hmm. How many of these do I know I'm going to sell? Mm -hmm. Do I have a dedicated following? Do I have a group of people that are going to pay me, you know, a specific amount for this adventure? Do I, you know, most of the people who are publishing in places like itch or DMs guild have some idea of how their adventures have sold previously, mm -hmm. but they don't know how this new adventure is going to sell unless yeah. they've done something like put out pre-orders for it, or yeah. they have a Patreon where people are paying them, you know, every month mm -hmm. to get first timer access yeah. to those sorts of things. Or you've done a That's Kickstarter. And you're not releasing anything physical until you've already sort of like essentially through basically pre-orders gotten your production cost back already. So you don't lose right. anything. Exactly. And, you know, and places like Itch and DMs Guild, you know, they still they have to take a little bit off the top, too, uh, for their own maintenance cost. DMs Guild is way worse about it than um, Itch. And also, if you sell on DMs Guild, you can't really sell anywhere else. Um, everybody use itch.io to sell your products. It's actually the other day, um, <laughs> just had a creator's day where they waived all of their fees. So everything, and they do that every once in a while. So like a hundred percent of stuff goes to the creators. So, you know, if you support places like that, you support yourself. Exactly. And it's your, when you purchase from places like that, you're also supporting per, uh, the creators a little bit more directly because even when itch is not waiving all fees, uh, itch is one of the lowest fee groups. That's part of why what digital stuff we have produced, mm -hmm. we've released it on itch. Yeah, is because that is that's the environment that gives us the most control over our IP and also the environment where the exchange rate is the highest for us. DMs Guild makes a lot of noise about like, well, but we're going to, you know, we're, we've got a lot of people who already shop with us and we've got all of this clout that we can use to help broaden the spectrum of people who are going to be seeing your product. And the thing is like you, they can't do that for everybody, right? They, they can only do that for a specific group of people. And those are going to be people that are already known quantities, people that are already producing stuff for them, people that already have buzz and people and, who are people who are producing things for a very particular system. That is the 800 pound gorilla in the room. <laughs> and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with writing content for D&D. I write content for, you know, that's focused on being compatible with 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons. There's nothing wrong with it. Yep. Just like ultimately if you ever want to make money, there are two options for you in the tabletop role-playing game business, and that is one either get hired as a staff writer at, you know, some place like Paizo or Watsi or something like that, and those jobs are kind of hard to come by. Um, or you could really just dive deep into independent publishing, create your own stuff and just be your own marketer. You know, it's, it's, people don't look at it that way, but it's starting a small business. If you, if you want to be a content creator like that, one of my, uh, one of my favorite, um, 
like YouTube content creators. His name's Bruce Green. For a long time, he was uh, uh, he worked with Rooster Teeth, uh, and he was part of uh, the Funhouse channel, and he was like their supervising producer, but he was also an on-air talent. And then he decided to leave, and he started his own Twitch channel. Um, and people are like, why are you leaving? He's like, well, I want to, you know, start my own business. They're like, oh, well, you're starting this Twitch channel. Like, what's your business going to be? He's like, no, the Twitch channel is the business. I'm marketing myself. I'm creating content. (laughs) And like, he's absolutely right. But people don't see it like that a lot, just in the same way that people don't see like the creative, like development and writing work that you do to create a product has to be factored into the cost. And that's why it costs a thing. Right. And, and like, this doesn't even, this isn't even just limited to digital products. Like I know we've been at conventions before with a lot of, you know, most of the stuff we sell is paper products. We sell adventures that we get printed as books. Uh, We sell like one sheets of one page dungeons. We have those really great um, character sheets and uh, that are class customized and spell sheets that are class customized that Feral Fox did for us. But like, I, I cannot count the amount of times people have been like, oh, are these free? And we're like, no, no, they're not because there was a lot of work went into these. And like, they don't even, they don't even ask sometimes they'll just be like, you'll be showing them the different products. You'll be talking to someone else and you see them pick up the product and they're looking at it and they're like, wow, that's really cool. And then they start to walk off with it. And it's like, excuse me, not free. Thief. Hours of work went into that. Please bring it back and put it back on my table unless you're going to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I don't know if it's a perceived value question or whatever. When somebody just sees like a single sheet of paper, no matter how good it looks, they just think like, oh, like this, like this can't be worth anything. Must be a handout. Yeah, exactly. No, it's freaking <laughs> not. Put it back. Um, but yeah, like since we've started selling more like bound books, that is sort of like leveled off a little bit. Because people started realizing like, oh, they're they're actually like serious about this. They're just not here screwing around. They're actually selling this <laughs> stuff. You know, it, it's 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 something that you as a content creator have to fight against constantly. And it's not right. Like nothing's fair in this world. So I don't like starting a sentence with, you know, it's not fair that. But like <laughs> it's it's not fair that content creators, especially in this space, continually have to justify themselves for why they're charging what they do. There's so many people I follow on Twitter who are really solid, like independent creators. They're not like huge names in the TTRPG sphere. Like, um, you know, but people like Evie Lockhart, she created a really solid, um, Troika expansion that I kind of like, it's called Permian nations. And it's about, uh, just these tribes of like sentient dinosaurs who are dealing with mankind, like taking over and everything. It's really good. But like, she's not rolling in money. Like I've, uh, I've seen all kinds of people like Evie saying things like just talking about like, yeah, I really wish I could, you know, make a living at this or just make money (laughs) or something like that. The number of people that are in those creative positions and they're like, yeah, my laptop's eight years old and I cannot afford to replace it and still eat at the end of the day. So I'm Mm -hmm. really hoping that we can kind of like boost numbers a little bit. So I'm doing like this and this and this to try and get a little bit of extra money going so that I can replace my laptop. Right. I'm like. You should first and foremost, your work is amazing and you should not be struggling like this. Yeah, exactly. Since I mentioned her, I'm just going to post Evie's Twitter right there. Filth gnome. Amazing. Yeah. 
but yeah, check check it out, check it out, and it's a, it's a good way to check out Troika as well, which is fast becoming one of my favorite like indie game systems, which is also D six based. Yeah, I think I think something to keep in mind as you're dealing with people who are coming at you with this like this attitude of well, it's just digital content, or well, it's just one sheet of paper, or well, like uh, how much work could you have actually put into this? Is you you as a person are valuable Mm -hmm. and the things that you are bringing to the space are valuable. And especially like as you grow a brand and as you're creating things that are meaningful to other people, you get to see that more and more and more. But even when you're first starting out, you're releasing your first adventure, you know, no one should be walking all over you. Yeah, you you are valuable. What you're creating is valuable. The time you spend on it. Good Lord. Like the time you spend on it is super valuable because you could be doing anything with that time. Yeah. And you are you are spending that time instead creating something for people to enjoy and for people to appreciate. And hopefully it's something that brings a lot of joy to folks, whether it's one genre or another. Or for, you know, the the biggest TTRPG system in the world or something a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're you're worth it. Darn it. <laughs> yeah. And if people are coming at you like that person who's like, oh, like you really should, you know, you really shouldn't be charging for this since it's not a physical product. Just ignore them because they weren't going to give you money anyway. So it's not worth trying to convince them. I don't think. Just focus your efforts on more receptive audiences. There is there is this rule. Um, Mike Ellison was telling me about this recently in a stream that he and I did. There is a rule in improv that's basically like screw the audience where it's like you're not you are not on stage. You should not be on stage, I should say, purely for the audience's sake. Mm-hmm. Are you creating something that you hope people will enjoy? Absolutely. But if there's one person in the crowd who's like, I don't like this. Boo. Like that, that one person, like it, yes, that absolutely sucks to hear. And no one wants to hear that, especially when they're like, boy, I hope people like this. That one person was never your fan to begin with. Right. And the people, the people you want to listen to are the people who are like, I appreciate you for you and what you're doing. Yeah. You don't have to justify yourself to anyone. No, no. Absolutely not. Well, this has been a very angry Goblins and Growlers podcast. <laughs> but uh, I'm uh, Brandon at Way of Brandalore on Twitter. And I'm Josh at Black Cloak DM on Twitter. I promise neither of us is this angry on Twitter, typically. <laughs> typically. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing and giving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Especially early in the feed, subscriptions and reviews are super helpful for bringing new listeners our way. Thank you.